This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Uh, Just a couple of things on the way in. Uh, My name is Ron. I'm the founding pastor of the church. And um, so uh, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek into what goes on behind the scenes in our church. And uh, you're going to learn some stuff today. We're going to celebrate today. We are a year into a project called Engage. And uh, you probably saw the banners and the balloons out there that said, thank you for engaging. And uh, we're going to give you some context so that that will make some sense to you this morning. And then uh, when we're done celebrating that, I'm going to teach you something about our church that ties directly in to this whole concept. And we're in the middle of a series called This Is Us. As you can see, and we are talking about four hallmarks that have defined and shaped our church from its very first day up until today, and by God's grace, will always define our church. And this morning, we're going to talk about one called innovation, and uh, this should be a whole lot of fun. So let's talk about Engage, and so going back We have been continually saying throughout all of 2018 that we are using 2018 and 19 to set up the next 20 years. Consistent message all the way through. What do we mean by that? We meant these things. Um, We were going to fund our ongoing operations. That's a pretty good idea, don't you think? Yeah, if you cut that thread, you're done. So we wanted to fund our ongoing operations. We wanted to reduce our debt. And as we reduced our debt, we wanted to improve our methods, which basically meant we were going to retool our staff and adjust our campus. I'll tie into all those things later, but that was sort of the whole package of Engage. So a year ago, we committed to $3.6 million, all of us here, $3.6 million over the next two years. That's 2018 and 2019, roughly. And so here's our midterm report, all right? You feel like you're back in school? All right, here's where we are. In terms of reducing our debt, uh, a couple months ago, we renegotiated our loan. We paid off $1.15 million of our debt. And yes, that... How fun was that? And that that translates into, because we, we were able to negotiate a lower rate on the loan, it translates into a savings of about $7,000 a month. So that's where we currently are. Um, let's talk about where we are next. Uh, in terms of improving our methods, we have partnered with uh, a number of consultants. One you may have heard of is North Point. Another one I know you heard about last week is Young Life. And it's not just those two. We have partnered with some, with some people in organizations that we believe will be really good for us as consultants. So what a consultant means is we sit down with them, we bounce ideas off of them, and we borrow their wisdom. And then, and, uh, then we, t- we come back, we put that all together, and decide how that needs to be tweaked in order to work in our culture and in our community. And you're going to see a lot more of what we are learning being translated into action this year. We have launched community groups. We did that in October. That was p- all part of this. We launched it with 30 
different small groups in our church and about 350, a little over 350 adults in, in our community groups. If you're in a community group, I want you to applaud nice and loud right now, all right? Yes. What, what a great thing. We are uh, currently launching our next-gen strategies, what we used to call children's ministry. We are calling next-gen strategies because we have a heart and a passion that we would be able to set up the next generation of people to actually thrive in life and in faith. Does that sound like a good idea? Of course, that's why it's next-gen strategies. And part of the next-gen strategies you heard about last week, and that is we are partnering with Young Life, which is an organization that has a proven track record of not just reaching junior high and high school students, but actually setting them up well to thrive in their faith and in their life when they leave home. I'm guessing a number of you went to church when you were a kid, and as soon as you went to college, it was the furthest thing from your mind. Anybody relate to that? Yeah, I know. We all laugh and go, yeah, yeah, that was me, all right? Wouldn't you love it if our coming generation didn't have to go through that? Yeah. So that's what that's all about. Now, um, I'm going to intentionally embarrass some of you. And so I'm going to acknowledge it right now. I'm going to ask for your forgiveness right up front, all right? So are we on board with that? You're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah, okay, all right, here we are. So don't stand up yet. But I'm going to list four groups of people, and if you're any part of one of these four, I'm going to ask you to stand in just a minute. First of all, if you made a financial commitment to engage um, a year ago or any time in between. Secondly, if you are part of our community group leadership, you work on the mentors team, you're a community group leader, you're an assistant community group leader, there should be 46 of you in there. There should be 120 different families in the first one. If you're part of implementing the next-gen strategies and you've been working, let's say, with, uh, on one of the orange teams, there should be about 75 of you working on next-gen strategies. And if, if you're work, currently working to launch Young Life, and you're going to be part of the junior high and high school ministries in our church. If you fit in any one of those, would you please stand right now? There you go. Please remain standing. Thank you, thank you. I just want to say something to you, okay? You are the people that God is using to help set up our church for the coming 20 years. We owe you big time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to say something to those of you who are sitting down. You are wonderful people, all right? No guilt this morning, none at all. Because you know what? You are the people that God is going to use in the future to help set up our church for the coming 20 years. So let's hear it for everybody this morning. Thank you, thank you. <clears throat> So now what can you expect in the coming year? Here's what you can expect in the coming year. We are going to do a next-gen reveal, okay? And we are going to reveal all those strategies first to the people who work inside the ministries that will be part of our next-gen strategies. And we're going to, we're going to do a next-gen reveal with a special meeting of them, all those volunteers on February the 10th. Then on February the 24th, 
We are going to do a community update meeting, and we're going to invite everybody to come to that, and we're going to do a next-gen reveal. So if you're interested in what we're doing to reach the coming generation, you're going to want to be part of that for sure on the 24th. We're going to take a whole series of teams to a number of different research and training events. We're going to visit the campuses of other churches. We're going to go to training seminars. We're going to do a lot of taking people to different places and inviting people to come in. We're inviting a consultant to come to our church next Sunday and to work with about 20 or 30 of our people to help us understand strategies and paradigms that will actually make us a better church. So we'll be doing a lot of that in the coming year. We will be expanding our staff, including finding a new lead pastor. Will you be ready for that? I'm so overwhelmed by your enthusiasm. Will you be ready for that? Yes. yes. I'll try not to take that personally, that you're so excited we're going to get somebody else, all right? And then last of all, we will begin adapting our campus so that we can use it better. And uh, that's going to be a whole lot of fun. You're going to come to you're going to come to church on Sundays when we'll have a sign out that says pardon our dust and all that kind of stuff. And we'll figure out how to walk through all of that, but we'll start adapting our campus this year. And so in terms of engage and in, in, in celebrating it, we're going to eat cake on the way out the door. I just have a simple message for all of us, and that is let's stay engaged. Let's stay engaged. Okay? Um, two Sundays ago, I postured a question for our church. What if the purpose of the church isn't to make people religious? And what if the purpose of our church isn't to make people more spiritual? And what if the purpose of our church isn't to correct people's behavior? But what if the purpose of our church was to actually help people encounter and engage with Jesus? Yeah, what would that look like? So let's stay engaged. Now I want to teach you something about our church that we are celebrating today. And here it is. This sort of innovation, hiring consultants, bringing people in, taking people places, adapting our campus, this sort of innovation, this willingness to change, this attempting new and great things for God, well, it's actually in our DNA because... It is in the DNA of our leader, Jesus. And I want to make a factual statement that later on I'll give you evidence for. Jesus was the most innovative, creative, out-of-the-box kind of leader the world has ever known. And that's actually a factual statement, and I'll give you the evidence for it later. So, how do we know that? Well, first of all, the questions that people ask him. Don't you love this question? I picked it on purpose as the first question. The people of Jesus' day said to his followers, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Well, I would say that was innovative. You know what they knew? No other religious teachers doing that. And yet Jesus did it continually. He ate with all kinds of people. They asked him another question. Why don't your followers fast like we and the Pharisees do? Everybody who's a religious leader goes through all these rituals and these rites. And one of those rituals and rites is fasting. It's doing without food. 
so you can purify your soul and people will recognize like the Pharisees did every Thursday they fasted. And believe it or not, they had special makeup that they put on that made them look sad. So everybody would know. Right? But Jesus and his followers, ah, they didn't do any of that stuff. Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? No other religious leader is using parables. They're citing Old Testament passages and they're citing other rabbis because Jesus lived in a Jewish culture. And they're going through all of this stuff. And yet Jesus came along and he didn't teach like anybody. He didn't act like any religious leader. He ate with people no other religious leader would eat with. Why do your followers disobey age-old traditions? Oh my goodness, I would love to put that up in a ton of churches. Maybe even ours. <laughs> Jesus, what are you thinking about? You are changing things that have been established for hundreds of years. That can't be right. That music that you're singing. My parents never sang that. Wow. Why would you dare to do that? Jesus was innovative in every way. Now I want to pick you up on a story and then we'll pick it up here in just a minute. But one day Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which was right across the Kidron Valley from the eastern gate of, of the city of Jerusalem. And it's not a huge mountain. It's not like Mount Everest or anything. Um, it, it's not even as tall as Mount Sonoma. <clears throat> but nevertheless, there was a valley in between. And Jesus was at the top of the Mount of Olives. And there was a great crowd of people around him. And they began to cheer. And they started taking off their coats and throwing them down on the road. Sort of what Hollywood would later call the red carpet. Got it? Right? So they were laying out the red carpet for Jesus, and they started cutting palm branches off of trees and waving them, sort of like people that stood by Pharaohs and so forth, fanned Pharaoh to keep him cool. They were doing all this stuff, and they were singing, and they were dancing, and they went down the Mount of Olives, across the Kidron Valley, up the, up the slope to the eastern wall of the city of Jerusalem, through the eastern gate, and into the temple. And that's where we'll pick up the story. The blind and the lame came to Jesus in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of the religious law saw these wonderful miracles and they heard the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. Does that sound like a fun church to be part of? Yeah, they were, they were getting it on. They were having a great time. I mean, the, the noise in the temple that day, the decibel level was really high because they were, they were having a great time. But the leaders were indignant. And they asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Can you pause with me for just a moment? Imagine with me what the typical church would be like if the children were running through the church and they were shouting the praises of God. When I imagine that, I think that is awesome. I can't imagine a better church than that. But not these guys. Oh, Jesus, don't you know? That's not proper church protocol. That's not how we do it here. We've never done it that way before. Huh. Think that's ever been said in a church? 
Yeah. Jesus, what are you thinking? Do you hear? I love the questions that people ask Jesus because he was this innovative, creative, out-of-the-box kind of leader that people were just drawn to. Now, the big question this morning is this. Why was Jesus so innovative? And I'm going to give you the big idea. Here it is. Jesus was so innovative because he understood the proper relationship between mission, message, and methods. So what was Jesus' mission? Here it is. He said it with his own lips, to seek and save people who were lost. Those that other people were overlooking, those who were lost in the religious, the organized religion of the day, those who were disenfranchised because they felt like what they had done was unforgivable and whatever was in their life was unpardonable and that they were broken beyond the point of repair. To seek and to save those people and to give them fullness of life. He said it with his own lips and he made it very clear that his mission was not up for negotiation and it was not subject to change. What was Jesus' message? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He made it equally clear right from his lips that the only way that you could be fixed if you were broken, if you could be found if you were lost, the only way that you could be forgiven if you were guilty, the only way you could find fullness of life if your life was empty, that it was all found in him. That was the good news that Jesus preached and taught everywhere he went. And he made it equally clear it was not up for negotiation and it was not subject to change. Those things actually didn't make Jesus innovative. They made him new and fresh. That was a different message than the world had ever heard. But what made him innovative was this, his methods. Jesus' methods were whatever worked for his culture. Yeah. No, no more boring synagogue lectures. When Jesus entered the scene, all the other religious leaders fled to their synagogues And they said to people, come and listen to us drivel. Right? It's your religious duty. And it's ours to kind of bore you with the Bible. And Jesus came along and said, forget the synagogue. I'm going to go sit down on a hill. I'm going to stand in a boat. I don't care where I am. I will do whatever it takes to get this message to the people of my culture. I'll go out into the desert if I need to. I'll walk on the water if I need to. I will heal the sick if I need to. I will do whatever it takes to get this one and only message that makes a difference in people's lives. I will do whatever it takes to get this message to those people. Don't you love that about Jesus? That's why he's my hero. Among other things. Whatever worked in his culture. Now one of the guys that Jesus personally trained, and this guy started churches in Jewish cultures, in Gentile cultures, in Greek cultures, in Assyrian cultures, in what today we would call Turkish cultures back in those days, Iranian cultures really, because they reigned that in that area, in Roman cultures, in Italian cultures. He planted churches in all kinds of cultures. His name is the Apostle Paul. And here's what he said about his methods. He said, I try to find common ground with everyone. I wonder where he got that. I think he got that from Jesus. That's how Jesus did it. 
I try to find common ground with everyone. That's why, if you look at our church building, it doesn't look like a church building. It looks like a building that you would find in Petaluma used for almost anything. Common ground. No steeples, no stained glass. Although, it's okay if churches do that. I'm totally fine with that. But we are looking for common ground. It's why when I teach you, or Angela teaches you, or anybody that we would invite up to the stage to teach you, we're not going to use heavily theological terms and things that we have to explain to you. We are going to use common language. It's common ground. It's why when we built our church building, we actually built into it an evacuation center, an emergency shelter. Why? We wanted to have common ground with our community. It's amazing. Paul said, I look for common ground. So that, doing everything I can to save some, I do everything to spread the good news. So guess what? Just like Jesus, our mission is the same as his, and it will never change. We're all about doing what Jesus did. Finding people that are disenfranchised with organized religion. Finding people who think they're too broken to be fixed. Finding people who, who just don't fit in what is offered out there in church. And saying, hey, what if we dropped all of the periphery and we just encountered and engaged with Jesus? Our mission is the same as his. Our message is the same as his. You can't find life at this church. You can't. But you can in Jesus. And our job as a church is to get you next to Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah, the magic is not in the church. The miracles are not in the church. The miracles and the magic and the life change and the transformation and the fullness of life and the forgiveness of sins and the salvation and the eternal life They're not in me. They're not in our church. They're in Jesus. Our job is to get you next to Jesus because our message is the same as Jesus and it will never change. But here's what I want you to learn about our church today. Our methods are as different from Jesus' methods as Sonoma and Marin counties are different from ancient Israel. You think it might be a little different? Exactly. That's why I'm not preaching from a boat today. That's why I'm not standing on a mountain today. Okay? Why? Because, like Jesus, our methods must continually change with our culture and our community. So guess what? If you liked any of the songs we sang today, here's my advice to you. Sing them right now. Because five years from now, we won't be singing them. So you better get all the good you can get out of them right now because five years from now, our culture will have moved on from that kind of music and I don't want to be a a pastor who leads a church caught in a time warp. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. So, I want to talk to you about the unrivaled impact of Jesus And I said a while ago that Jesus was the most innovative, creative, and out-of-the-box kind of leader the world has ever known. I want to read you something that I did not write. It's been around for a few years, but it blows my mind every time I read it. 
He was born in an obscure village, the son of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. For three years, he became a wandering preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things we usually associate with greatness. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was executed by the state. The only prop while he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on this earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the compassion of a friend. He had no credentials but himself. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that have ever reigned, all put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as this one solitary life. That's our leader. That's Jesus. And here's what I want to leave you with today. As long as new life stands, we will be innovative because the innovative DNA of Jesus is in our genes. Isn't that awesome? I could not be more excited about the future of where God is taking us. I could not be more proud or deeply touched in my heart by a group of people who have said, I don't care what comes our way, we will walk through it with Jesus and wherever he leads us, we will go. And we don't care if there's no other church like us, it doesn't make any difference because there were no churches like Jesus' church in his day. Are you on board for that? I am too. I am too. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.